Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lauren Brunswick and you are listening to the She Slays the Day podcast. And you guys, we are getting close to my one year anniversary of this. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what I have to say to that, except like, holy cow, I stuck with something. Go me! <laughs> uh, I don't think I would have been able to stick with it if you guys wouldn't be so sweet and assuring all the time. Um, so this is our Mother's Day episode. So happy Mother's Day week to all of you. And if you're not listening to this on Sunday because you're not a true fangirl, no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. You missed it. So hopefully you called your mama. Oh my God. Can I actually just be real and kind of an asshole for a minute? Um, all right, gosh, my mother-in-law's listening. I'm really sorry. Uh, okay, so like how do you sort the hierarchy of motherness on Mother's Day. Okay, so like, let's just give you a hypothetical. So I get that on my Mother's Day, because it's my Mother's Day, I'm a mom. Um, if I decide to do something with my mom or my mother-in-law, that's okay, that's allowed because I get to do whatever the F I want on my day. Now, for all y'all marrieds out there, what about if his mom wants to spend time with him on her Mother's Day, which now then negatively affects my Mother's Day because I'm babysitting my kids. Um, so to be honest, my mother-in-law has actually always been super selfless. Uh, it's just Kirby who sometimes has like, I have to give like laser shooting death eyes if he alludes like, oh, my mom said she'd really like some help with her gardens for her Mother's Day present. And I just like, look at him like, I will cut you. You're not doing that on Mother's Day, right? And he's like, oh, no, I can do it any day. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but like, you know, that's kind of not fair. So like, at what point, you know, I guess as soon as your kids have kids, then all of a sudden they're important again. Damn, being a parent sucks. You get the short end of the stick. But at least I'm glad I had girls because the moms of boys really get the short end of the stick. 
Okay. Anyways, um, so you might have heard that I created something for you all uh, called Revive. If you haven't, well, you're hearing about it now. Uh, so this is an eight week long intensive workshop that is meant and designed to get you unstuck from your current mindset and situation and give you very tactical tools to begin to begin making baby steps, progress forward on your dream of 2020. Um, so week by week over the eight weeks, you're going to have live access to me in a small group, and I'm going to help guide you through a strategic process to help you gain back the reins on your life and begin putting back the pieces from the wreckage. So by the end, you'll have a plan to restore balance and prosperity in your life personally and professionally and you'll actually have the motivation to enact it. Because I'm sorry, we can't just phone in the rest of 2020 like we want to and say like, wake me up January 1st, 2021. That's when I'll be motivated again. Like there's still so much that can happen um, in this transformation of you just mentally and spiritually. So for more information on that, uh, you can go to... Well, there's a link in our show notes, but I don't know if anybody ever actually goes to the show notes anyways. Um, or you can go on Instagram and click in my bio and there is a button that will say revive and that's, it will direct you and then you'll have pricing and more information and all that jazz. But for today, uh, we're actually doing something fun and different. Uh, I'm calling it a Mother's Day mashup where I'm gonna speed answer as many mothers focused preguntas as possible in an hour. Uh, preguntas is Espanol for questions for all you fancy pants out there who took French in high school and don't know. Um, but yeah, so we're just going to go through as many questions as I can kind of fit in. Um, and I guess I'll stop jabbering and get down to it and uh, read a review so we can get started with our questions. Okay, so this review is called A Podcast for Anyone, and it is five stars, and it's from What the heck kind of iTunes name is that. Anyways, it says, you truly never know what to expect from Dr. Lauren. One day she's talking about running a business. The next she's diving into the depths of consciousness. Even though this is a chiropractic podcast, if you're into personal growth, mom life, personality tests, etc., then just pick a random episode and check her out. She's bold, funny, compassionate, and open. Definitely worth a listen. Thank you so much, Gita I don't know. I don't know what that is. It, it's not a naughty name. I swear. I just it sounds like I'm saying a curse word. Well, while I'm reading it. All right. So um, thanks for taking the time to do that and write that. Like I said, as I'm coming up on a year, I, I can honestly tell you that if I didn't get feedback from you guys in DMs and reviews, I would have quit. A long time ago, um, mostly because I'm an Enneagram three and I need to know that I'm performing for somebody. It's it's a personality flaw. OK, um, I'm working on it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really been amazing. Um, and I'm really excited to see where this masterclass goes, getting to like cause so often I don't get to work with you back and forth. So much of it is a question. And then I throw out information and I'm like, 
I don't get to follow up with you the next week and be like, okay, so how'd that go? What, like, how do we pivot? What do you need now? So I'm just excited, just excited about life. So let, let's read. Um, oh no, I can't read the questions yet. I almost forgot to pray. My goodness. 50 some episodes and I almost forgot to pray. All right, dear God, I'm just going to take a breather here. Obviously someone's had a little too much caffeine today. So, you know, I'm so fired up about how cool and awesome you made women specifically to be. Um, hashtag women's rights. Uh, not only do we birth life, like, literally, which is super cool, uh, but metaphorically, we have this unique capability to breathe life and spirit into everyone around us, friends, family, and we just innately carry this calming presence to others and the world. Even, even women like me, who you left some of that uh, special calm mother sauce out of. I'm missing a couple jeans, but that's okay. Um, thanks for making moms the way you did. It hurts like a mofo in so many different ways. It is not easy. I really wish you could have done that whole birth thing a little different, but I believe there is so much of a method to your madness and your creation. Thank you for moms. Thank you for my mom. Thank you for my mother-in-law. Thank you for the moms that listen. Thank you for the future moms who are listening. Help them uh, just be inspired and a part of a community because this shit is hard, yo. All right, so let's get down to business. Our first question is from Dr. Ashley, and she wants to know, says, Dr. Lauren, I need help with the emotional part of momming. I only work part-time as an associate, but the days I go into the office, my two girls both say things like, I hate the days you aren't home, or I'm sad you are leaving. They know how to tug at my heart. I want to be full-time when they're both in school, but I know I'll miss some activities and know they will be sad. I'm not here for them after school. Okay, so... Dr. Ashley, I feel like I should first, you know, I kind of alluded to this in the prayer that like, I can't empathize with you fully. Uh, I, I don't want to say I'm heartless. I'm a little heartless. Okay. Let's be honest. I'm slightly heartless. Um, but my response to, because my girls try it. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old and my eight-year-old, even though I have been working since she, I went back to practice when she was full-time after six weeks of maternity leave. So all she's known her entire life is me working full-time. And she still tries that stuff when I'm like, all right, mom's got to go to work. And she goes, oh, I wish she didn't have to go. And I'm like, yeah, well, too bad. You know, I have to. <laughs> so like, um, you know, that is my response when they say, because kids are good at manipulating like they know what they're doing and they don't mean it from a bad place it's not like they're jerks but they're kind of jerks um but they try and get away they want to test those boundaries and of course they want you all the time that is like no child has the wisdom to say like you know what, actually what would be best for me in my long term is to see a mom be a really good role model and make hard decisions in life. Like, no, they're very narrow-minded. They just want their mom in this moment right now, today. Um, so what I do hear is like, 
I, okay, let me back up. I'm okay, even though I'm heartless, I'm extra okay saying, yeah, too bad, because I have 100% committed emotionally to my decision of the hours that I'm working. So I wonder if like the reason that you're feeling extra guilty isn't just because they're good at guilt trips, but somewhere inside you, possibly you want a different schedule. Um, you know, and if that's not true, that's fine. But more than likely, you know, there's a part of you that is able to be guilted. I don't feel guilty because I made the decision to work the certain number of hours a week that I do. And I believe that it was a good decision. Um, does it mean that there aren't times where I have to miss things and it's hard? Like, yeah, that happens. But like, there is more to being a mom than just babysitting. Like, right, that's where I like, I joke in the beginning of like, when I was saying like, yeah, I have to babysit my kids on my mother's day. Like, I know I'm, I'm, it's, it's not babysitting, it's parenting, but sometimes it's totally babysitting. Let's be honest. Like when I'm like, yeah, let's watch a movie so mom can be on her phone. I might as well be a 15 year old that I've paid to just keep them alive, but that's not me all the time. Anyways, I digress. Um, being a mom is so much more than literally just being at their Back and call being a babysitter because that's what a babysitter does, right? You're hungry. Okay. Let me get you a snack. You want to play Legos? Sure. I'll do this. The babysitter is there to respond to your child's acute needs. Being a mom is about being a role model. It is about more than like, oh, you need a cup of water. Like, oh, you want me to lay down with you for nap time? Like, you know this. I know you know this. You just need to go in and go like, all right, why am I struggling with this guilt? They're not going to stop. So if you are telling yourself a story that like, man, I thought they'd get over this by now, but they're still asking, um, it's not going to happen. And you want to go full time when they're in school. Let me tell you, you don't have to say how old your kids are, but as they get older, they just get better at manipulation. And like the stuff, you don't stop wanting to be a part of that. So I would say if it, you know, if it works for your family, if you want to go full time now, you might as well, because it will not be easier when they get a little older. Now, maybe when they're like 14 and 16 and they've got all their friends and they don't really want to be with you, then it might be easier. Um, but you're still emotionally going to want like to be with them. So, you know, that wasn't really a speed answer. You know, we could dive so much deeper into this, but I think we covered the main things really assess like what is it that you have not committed to this schedule? You know there's more than just being there with your kids, being that good role model for them. Okay, so question number two is from Dr. Kate. And it says, I don't know how some women bring their kids into the office while working. I don't know how they train their kids to behave and act appropriately with patience and understanding that mom has divided attention. I hypothesize that it's only achievable if they are trained as newborns and grow up in the environment because my three-year-old can barely succeed half a half hour. 
Okay, Dr. K, we're going to have to have a come to Jesus because I have a feeling that your three-year-old is totally fine there for longer than a half hour. That it's actually you who can't handle her being there for longer than a half hour. So um, I do not think that you need to train your kids in to be in the clinic with you um, from day one in order for this to be successful. There are some things that do need to happen in order for it to be successful, though. So the first one I would say is the temperament of your children. Um, you know, like, I don't mean to throw gender stereotypes out there, but like if you have a little girl that just like sits and looks at books and brushes her doll's hair, and then you have another little girl that is a ninja and like runs around breaking stuff and like wrestling you know, temperament, temperament is a big, big player here. How old they are, how willing they are to like, listen to you. But the idea that a kid is understanding that they need to like act appropriately and you have your divided attention. I don't even think a 14 year old, like I could just see a 14 year old, my kid coming in while I'm adjusting a patient on her phone, like, mom, I'm hungry. I need a snack. Um, so I don't think that's it. The second one that's a big one besides temperament of your kids is the expectation of your patients and you. So, I mean, I don't want to say like on the, on the spectrum of environment of our clinic, um, we are far, far from like white coat, PI, like lawyer, I don't know, other fancy words I can say. Um, but we're also, we also wear shoes. I don't know. <laughs> Does that give you where we are in the spectrum? Like I'm wearing shoes. I'm not barefoot adjusting people and like saging their spirit after an adjustment. Um, but I'm also, you know, so we're like very normal in the middle of a pediatric and prenatal clinic. Now we don't, we have only like semi open adjusting. Um, but even then, like, so it might be harder for you if your doors are shut, like if you have closed rooms. So on days where your kid is there, like it might be awkward for your patients if they open the door and come in. So for us, we have sliding barn doors and then we have like pass throughs. So honestly, our patients are used to somebody's toddler kind of waddling into their adjustment space half the time anyways. Um, and we, we encourage, I mean, I don't want to say we encourage kids to come into other people's adjusting space, but like we say like this clinic is here for children to explore. We believe that there are enough places where a child is told to like sit down and don't touch anything. Um, so like we kind of joke with all of our patients all the time of like, oh yeah, sorry, there's somebody's kid is in here. Like, you know, and our patients, the patients that we attract don't give a damn. They really, really don't. Um, and the ones that do, they don't tend to stick around because they're like, this place is a freaking circus. Um, and that's okay. They can go to the, the other type of chiropractor. So for the times that I've had my kids come now, I had no desire I should say this, I had no desire to bring my children to work after maternity leave. Um, it maybe would be different if we didn't have really great childcare, but like 
I watched my kids. Uh, I kept them alive for five to six weeks. And then mama had to go back to work. Um, and then my husband took another month. And then like at one point, my sister took a month. So like we were able to have family and then we had the greatest daycare in the world that took them after 10 weeks. But our kids wanted daycare in, in home that we loved and trusted after 10 weeks old. Um, and that was, I felt good with that. And there was no part of me ever that wanted to bring a baby to work. Because when I went back to work, like my practice had taken a hit during maternity leave. Like mama needed to like pull on, put on her big girl panties. Is that the word? Pull up her bootstraps? Something like that. I had to get to work and start work. And I did not want to be, I'm sorry, distracted by a crying baby. So like it sucked. I shed tears the first couple of days I went back, but like when I was there, I was working. So when I do bring my kids to work, um, now that they're five and eight, it's very, I would say that my eight-year-old has probably spent uh, 20 to 30 days of her life in my practice. And then my five-year-old, you know, maybe 10 to 20. And it's either they're, they don't have school and we don't have someone to watch them or the schedule is light enough and it's in the summer and it seems like kind of a fun, like, Hey, I don't know. You want to come to work with me today? Um, but it really doesn't happen that often just because I'm not a fun mom. Like, they kind of want to come sometimes and then they remember like, oh yeah, mom's like working and she's not like going to play with me. Um, so the expectations of your patients is a big one. The third one is the, the, how much control you need to have in that setting and how okay you are with cheap entertainment. So like, if you think that bringing your three-year-old to work needs to be like she's like playing peacefully over in a corner as I'm adjusting and like the patient doesn't know that my child is there or they do know but like they're totally okay with it because my kid is being so good you are gonna go insane and it sounds like from your question that's what's happening because you said you said your three-year-old can barely succeed a half hour you can only succeed a half hour um now, if you're like, no, Lauren, after a half hour, my kid starts crying. Well, then I go, well, have you heard of television or a tablet? <laughs> like they have these really great cartoons on these bright screens that kids will watch. So this is kind of number three is like at three years old, your child is coming to work with you because you don't have better options. Or like you, you know, like, that's so mean to say. I know there's tons of people out there who are like, no, that's not true, Lauren. But listen, in this scenario, it, this is true, okay? Because it doesn't seem like, like, it seems like, Dr. Kate, that you are idealizing what it looks like for others. And it's okay if it is not ideal for you to have your kid there. And when she is there, it's because that's what has to happen. Um, so it's, you know, give her some highlighters and maybe not a stapler at three. Um, but you know, number four thing that you need to consider when bringing your kid is, uh, how good your, your front desk person is with kids. So, I mean, I remember, so my parents are divorced 
And I would go to California where my dad lived and spend about a month with him every summer after, I don't know, like age six. And he worked like he had like a suit and tie eight to six o'clock kind of job. And a lot of times I would hang out with his receptionist and I would put labels on envelopes and I would make like paper chains with like a stapler and I just kind of did boring stuff but the receptionist kept me entertained like so if you're CA if you don't have a CA I could imagine it being very stressful just you a three-year-old and trying to see patients um but like again you can make it a lot less stressful if you lower those expectations as to what it looks like if you're expecting to like teach your daughter lessons and for her to like come out of this experience like oh my gosh my mom is so wise and amazing um that yeah you're setting yourself up for failure so I don't know don't feel bad if it's not for you uh it's not for me and maybe it will be as my kids get older but again I doubt it I can just picture them still just you know coming in but we we do it when we need to and it's funny and they come in and I go sorry my kid's here and my patients go oh yeah she looks just like you like they're fine. And yes, my daughter comes up and goes, mom, mom. And I go, honey, stop it. I have to talk to this patient really quick and then I'll answer you. And it's fine. Like part of our brand is part of why my patients love us is because I'm able to say I'm a mom. Um, you know, and you kind of lose that street cred when you're not a mom or when your kids are like late teenagers. So like I get street cred by handling the stress of life and having young kids. And when my patients get to see me firsthand, like, whoa, you are doing all the things, aren't you? The people we attract and the people we want to keep in our clinic are like patient and impressed with that. Now, if it happened five days a week, who knows if they would be, but it doesn't. Okay, we're moving on to question number three uh, from Dr. Emily. And it says... How to successfully and smoothly navigate maternity leave. She said, I had my son about two and a half years ago, and I feel like it took a long time to recover. Um, not so much physically, but practice-wise. I'm currently expecting our second and would love to make it a smoother transition for our family this time, as the thought has been anxiety-provoking early on. What kinds of things should I be doing ahead of time to ensure a smooth transition while allowing me to take a relatively healthy period of time to bond with baby and recover myself? How should we market while I'm on maternity leave and how is best to announce coming back and transitioning back into my schedule? What are some low stress things I can do at home to keep at top of mind with our practice despite not physically being there? I practice with my husband, so he will be covering the whole practice while I'm away. We share some patients, but for the most part, typically have our own niches that we serve. Okay, you have a lot of questions in here. You cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love this question. I love this question so much, Dr. Emily, that I devoted the first official episode of She Slays the Day uh, to basically answering this question. It is titled Maternity Leave Round 2. So I'll touch on some high points, but I highly recommend going back to episode numero uno. Again, for you fancy pants out there who don't speak Spanish, that's number one, um, called Maternity Leave Round 2. And I give a ton of information in there. But let's kind of break this down in a quick nutshell. So the number one thing, in my opinion, that you can do to prep your patients 
while you're still in clinic is as you get closer to that due date, pre-schedule them out for the amount of time you think you're going to be on maternity leave. So if you have a patient that is once a month and normally you schedule like one appointment at a time, uh, let's say you're 35 weeks pregnant and you're scheduling Nancy for her next appointment. You're like, okay, Nancy, so your next appointment is four weeks from now. So at that point, I may or may not be in the clinic. Um, and what I'm going to do, we're going to name your husband. What should we name him? Let's name him Nick. Um, so you're going to say, you're going to have a lot of these conversations over and over. And you're going to be like, okay, so at your next appointment, there's a chance I'll still be here. There's also a chance that my husband, Dr. Nick, will be caring for you. Um, what you need to know is that I'm gonna be sitting down with him over every patient and going through exactly how you like to be adjusted. And his goal is to mimic my adjustment as much as possible while I'm gone. Now, to make things a little easier on him, since he doesn't know you quite as well as I do, is I'm gonna schedule you out during your normal frequency um, until I'm expected to be back. So that way he doesn't have to also try and remember a hundred different people's like frequency and care plans. So I'm gonna schedule your next appointment and then I'm planning on taking, I, I honestly, I wouldn't even say like how many weeks you're planning on taking. Um, I would say, and then when I'm, if you, in your head, you're planning on taking eight weeks, what I would say is, and then I'm going to go ahead and schedule your next two after that also, or your next three after that also. If we need to change plan because something happened, that's fine. But that's really going to help Dr. Nick focus on being your doctor and not also like your care coordinator and receptionist, okay? and just schedule them out. You're gonna have so many, so many, so many of those conversations. Um, I wouldn't give too many concrete numbers to people on how long you're planning on being gone because you don't know what's gonna happen. Like, I don't know. Like, God forbid you have a C-section. You need to be gone for four months. Um, you know, maybe you hate being home with two children and you're back at six weeks, you know, and then you told everybody you're going to be gone for three months. And they're like, why are you back so quick? And you're like, I hate my kids. No, I'm just joking. Gosh, this Mother's Day episode. is. <laughs> I hope you all, this is not your first time hearing me um, because you, you have to like learn to love my sense of humor around being a mother. Um, but you know, so that is the big, big thing is pre-scheduling them. I don't want you to stress out about doing anything while you're on maternity leave. Now, if, um, if physically you need more time off, but mentally you're kind of wanting to get back in the game, then that's where a simple, like, get like a birth announcement, basically a picture of you and the baby, not just the baby, you and the baby. And like, right, like on the back of it, one or two sentences, like Nancy, um, can't wait to see you soon. I know doctor, you're in good hands with Dr. Nick, like from your whatever from Dr. Emily. Don't plan on doing that though, please. Like for God's sake, just be on maternity leave, um, and let your husband take care of things mentally prepare that the numbers are going to go down. I mean, if they don't, that's fantastic, but they probably will. Okay. Like that's just what happens is people are connected with you and you can pre-schedule out, um, but your practice is going to recover. 
It totally will. Um, I don't know why it took, you know, when you say like that the first time it took a long time to recover, I don't know what that means. Like, does that mean three months? Um, does it mean a year? You know, if it takes three months to recover, like, eh, life is long. That's fine. That's totally fine. You got, you recovered. It will be fine. A lot of times I would just focus on coming back fully. When you come back, come back fully re-energized, to grow. And that's one of the best things you can do is then like in order to do that is to take that time off of work when you're on maternity leave. So go listen to episode one. There's so many different nuggets in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, maternity leave sucks. This is, you know, it's, I mean, it's a lovely experience with your baby, but like it sucks as an entrepreneur because then you're kind of in Dr. Kate's situation that that was question two. We were like, I don't know. Do I bring this thing to work? What do I do with it? So it's, it's all complicated. Momming is complicated. Okay. So we are moving along. We are cruising. That one was a little easier because I was able to reference a previous episode. So the next one is from Dr. Jenna. Um, and it says, I'm about to have my first baby soon. And I'm really worried about milk production. I'm planning on taking six weeks off, then having a family member care for the baby, but I really, really don't want to use formula. How did you handle pumping while being at work? Oh my goodness. Well, um, <laughs> first of all, Jenna, who hasn't had a baby yet, let me just tell you, who hasn't had a birth yet, let me tell you that kids have a really strong way of breaking any like strong grips that you hold onto plans. So the, the harder that you hold on to, and I don't know, maybe you really don't have like a repulsion against formula. You just really don't want to, but like be open-minded, be open-minded to need. If you need formula, there are quality and expensive formulas out there that are going to be okay. And I think that we, as I've said this so many times, that we as female chiropractors put a cray-cray amount of stress on ourselves to be everything. So in this question, I mean, whether you realize it or not, you are asking, you're, you're going back to work after six weeks. Now I can relate, believe me, there's no judgment here, but like, that's insane. That's insane that you're prepping to like go back to work after six weeks and then simultaneously, because I'm sure you're going back after six weeks, not because you're planning on getting bored, but because you're anticipating your practice needing you to be back, which it probably will. Um, but you're also stressing out about when you go back to the practice that needs you. So is like not is kind of flailing while you being on maternity leave. How do I also keep a baby alive with the most quality thing in the world and like god forbid that i need to use anything less than the liquid gold coming out of my boobies so i hope that it works out and for a lot of people it really does but just realize that if your kid doesn't break you in this way meaning like you're like no formula for this kid like god and the baby have their own plans of like making us let go of control and if it doesn't happen at the birth if it doesn't happen here, it's coming for you one way or another, because that is what children are here to do. They are here to teach us that we don't have the control that we think we do. And the more we try and hold on to the control, 
the like more anxiety that it develops because that mom anxiety is a real, real thing. Okay, so let's digress and actually answer your question. I promise I wasn't going to leave you just hanging with that like soapbox where Dr. Jen is just like, geez, Louise, like, sorry, I asked. No. Um, okay, so I have, I should like copyright, trademark, what's the word? I don't know. I have a system. And don't don't spoil my parade if you're like, actually, Lauren, that's called like the Wilson method. And it's highly used in a lot of different breastfeeding books. But okay, in my mind, I made this system up. It's awesome. And you're going to need yourself a chest freezer because you're going to have so much milk coming out of your boobies. So around our area, a lot of the lactation consultants do not recommend pumping for a while, for like a long time, for like two weeks, minimum four weeks. Um, and what they say, okay, now I'm just using my anecdotal advice here. I am not a lactation expert, but I do think I know everything about everything. So they say that you, as the baby gets older and needs more milk, your milk will, you know, keep up and you will produce more milk. That was not my story for either of my children. My milk did nothing but decrease over time. There was no like, oh, when the baby only, because in the beginning, I don't know if you've gotten to this part of the parenting book, but in the beginning, the baby only needs like an ounce or two at a feeding. But like I was milk jugs McGee over here, just like with watermelons, and I could I mean, one to two ounces, one to two ounces, one isn't, wasn't even getting the four milk, right? So then like some of these trainings are like, oh, breastfeed from one boob a little bit, burp the baby and then breastfeed from the other. And I'm like, that makes no sense. And then, then, then you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do is uh, the baby did not drain your boobs because you just got your milk in. You have so much in there. The baby's barely eating anything. And you're just supposed to like wait. And they go, your body will figure out that you don't need all that milk. And I go, hell yeah, I do need all that milk. I'm planning on going back to work. Um, so what I did pretty much, I would say, I don't, I don't know. I forget. Maybe let's say within like four or five days, kind of once we started to get a groove where things weren't like so stressful. Yeah, I don't know, um, is I would feed completely from one boob and then I would hand the baby off to my loving spouse and I would pump both boobs. Now, the one that I just fed the baby wouldn't produce as much milk, obviously, because it just got top, you know, but then the other boob that was full gets drained. Now, what you can do is if you're like, oh, but what if you just pumped and the baby is cluster feeding and decides that it needs to eat again? We're getting really down a rabbit hole here. I'm not going to go there. Ultimately, you'll learn what time of day that your baby likes to cluster feed. And I wouldn't necessarily do this during the cluster feeding time. Um, but during the rest of the time where the baby would just kind of find this pattern of like eat, fall asleep, poop wake up and eat in like this two to three hour cycle, I knew that very likely by the time the baby needed to eat again, I would have refilled up. If you're worried though, and you're like, oh my gosh, but what do I do? I wouldn't put the milk, like after I pumped, I would just leave it out. So breast milk can stay out for hours. Um, and I would just leave it out at room temperature and 
if, and it, I don't think it ever really happened, and if by chance the baby woke up and needed to eat again right away, then I would plop a nipple on the bottle and give the baby the milk that I just, you know, pumped. Um, but then most of the time what happened is the baby would sleep for an hour or, you know, wouldn't need to eat for another like hour and a half to two hours. And by the time they were hungry again, I had enough milk. And then as soon as that happens, you put the milk you pumped two hours ago in a bag, put it in the freezer, in the freezer, okay? Um, milk in the fridge will get used. There's like this magic thing that happens. Fridge milk gets used. Um, so put it in a bag, label it, put it in the freezer, and you're just gonna do this. And by the time that like you're a month, you will have a lot of milk, a lot of milk in your freezer. Now, when it comes to going back to work, um, you're just gonna have to schedule it in. So like if you're going to work from eight to six, I would have a 45 minute break at like 10 o'clock, I'd have my lunch hour, and then I would have like another break at like three. Um, or wherever works for you, but you're gonna need to make sure you're pumping two to three times a day. Make sure that you have a huge gallon of water that you're drinking. And then when you do sit down to pump, it is tempting to do soap notes um, for non-chiropractors listening. Those are just like medical records. Um, it's going to be tempting to sit at your inbox and respond to emails. Um, I encourage you not to do that because so much of your milk letdown is uh, this oxytocin releasing that you're like bonding with your baby. And if you're sitting at a computer bonding over Nancy's <laughs> soap note um, of like why she was presenting with a headache today, uh, this just doesn't send the right signals to your brain that you need milk. So, I mean, sit and watch videos of your baby is honestly one of the best things that you can do. Um, I'm sure you've got them on your phone. So just sit and look at your baby. And if you feel like you need to cry because you miss your baby, that's even better. That's where you get real good milk, um, the cry milk. Um, and then, you know, like I said, if you don't need it, if you get home, like the sooner you can get it in the freezer, the better. Because um, like I said, milk in the fridge just somehow gets used. So, and then you're just going to have to like ignore the milk jugs McGee's out there who are able to make like 12 ounces from each boob every two hours. I don't know why I didn't get that, but I didn't. And some women just, they never do. And it's okay. Like, like I said, you don't need to be, um, everything. And if it means that like, you don't get to see as many patients during the day because you're trying to be a mom and pump awesome. And if your baby gets like 80% of its milk from your boobs and 20% from formula because you had to go back to work and yada, yada, like that's okay. Life happens like that. Okay. Okay. We are moving along. Dr. Jenna, love you. It's okay. Good time. Good luck. So this next one is from Dr. Molly. And this is a simple question, but not really. It says, how did you decide when to start having kids? So my background is I graduated when I was 24 years old from chiropractic school and like newly 24. I turned 24 in September and we bought a practice in December. Um, my husband's not a chiropractor 
And he, let's see, he was like 20, he was almost 26, but like, you know, he was two years into his, his real job. Um, and we started a practice right away and we looked at it two different ways. So we wanted to have kids and everyone was like, no, just be married for a little bit. Oh, I forgot to tell you. So we also got married. So I turned 24 in September. We got married in September. I graduated in October. We started to practice in December. So I wanted kids. Um, it's really funny because you'd think that I was actually that person that never really wanted kids. And I remember getting so upset um, with a family member who was like kind of pushy and judgy about us having kids right away. And I was just like tears because I was like, I want to have children so bad. Like my life will not be fulfilled with until I have kids. Um, so see, I do have a heart mother effers. Just kidding. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, okay. So we're like, all right, people are like, you just got married. You should like enjoy being married together before you bring kids in. And we're like, okay, yeah, we did just get married, but we also just started a practice. We're not like going on trips anywhere soon. We're not doing anything fun anytime soon. We are broke and chained this business that we just started so we're like well we might as well have kids it's a funny thing looking back like that this was our logic but like we're like we might as well have kids right now where we don't have money to do anything else um and then we'll hopefully you know well they will they'll be graduated and we'll be young I think by the time my youngest graduates okay so let's see she's five I'm 33 Oh, see, you guys are going to hear me do math. So she will leave the house in 13 years. So I'll be 46, 46-ish. Oh my gosh. I hope I did that math right. Um, that seems young. Yeah, I think it's right though. Because I had, you know. Anyway, so we, we're going to be young. We're going to be like in our early 40s or late 40s, maybe early 50s, if I'm really bad at math, when we're empty nesters. Now, I'm hoping that, well, gosh, I really hope this is the case. Otherwise, I messed up somewhere. If in 13 years from now, when we're empty nesters, if I'm making less money than I was when I first started, <laughs> y'all better help me. Will you please buy my master class? Because I'm really concerned if that's the case. But no, that's when we'll have time and money to spend on enjoying being married. And like, it was fun having kids, you know? So we still got to enjoy being married. We just didn't have the money to like explore like everyone thought we should do. We're like, no. So that was our thought. We wanted to be young parents. Um, we wanted to, like, we knew that having a child at 24 versus 34 uh, it does not get easier. Now, financially, it might get easier because like if you wait to have a kid, you can probably afford a nanny or, you know, you can have more help, but like you're more tired. It's harder getting on the floor. It's harder waking up five times a week, like five times a day. As they get older, you're in, you're in your 40s, like it's going to be more physically exhausting to sit on benches and stuff like that. So we made that decision. But the key thing that I want you to hear out of all of this is that we really wanted to have kids. Like, I think it took six months to get pregnant, which isn't that long, but like, 
I cried every month that I got a um, negative test. Like we just really wanted it. So the answer to your question, how do you decide when to start having kids is numero uno is like, do you want a baby right now? Do you have baby fever right now? Um, if you have even a couple months in practice now in an ideal world, and I think I, Dr. Molly, I'm pretty sure I know that you've been in practice at least like six months now at this point. Now I'm a big fan of having six, nine, 12 months with your brand new startup business. If you can, like if you can punt it out, like, like if you just started a practice three months ago, like that, that first year is when you hustle your ass off. So if you could not be sick with morning sickness, that'd be great. Um, but if you're like, no, I know it doesn't make sense. I know I started a practice last month and I want to get knocked up. Like, that's okay. sounds like you really want a baby. And I think it's all going to work out because babies are not easy. They never are easy. And whether you're seeing 40 people a week in your clinic, it sucks to go on maternity leave, or you're seeing 400 people a week in your clinic, it sucks to go on maternity leave. So like, it's so cliche, but there's never really a right time. But a wrong time is when you don't want to have a baby. Like if you're sitting there and you're like, everybody says I have to have a baby and I really don't want one, then it's not right. Then I don't care how old you are. I don't care how practical. Maybe on paper, you're like, ah, shoot. Right now is perfect time to have a baby. Can I just release you from that? I don't, like if you don't, want to have a baby? And I think you do. So I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. This is more for other people listening, but like, I don't know. They're wonderful. They're really wonderful. But like, as we evolve as women, oh man, I did not plan on talking about this. I might get some hate mail from this one. Like, I believe that as we evolve as women, we're going to need to be open to the idea that every woman's version of success is drastically different or can be drastically different. And we have to be okay that like some women don't feel they were put on this earth to have babies, even though society will 100% of the time put that as their first and foremost purpose. Like it's just, it's innately in our society um, that like, you know, that's what, I mean, come on, evolutionarily, like, that's what we were designed to do. Pop out babies, pop out babies. Um, but we're evolving and it might not be. So, you know, for those listening that are like feeling that pressure, um, either from their biological clock or their mother-in-law or whatever, and you're like, well, I guess now is a good time. That is not a good enough reason to have a baby if you don't want one. All right. So this was our rapid fire Mother's Day special mashup episode. Um, if you've got a question on momming that you want me to answer that I didn't answer, uh, shoot me a DM and uh, maybe the week of Mother's Day, I'll do a live and answer a couple more rapid fire. Um, just because, you know, it, being a mom is a part of my identity. Being a working entrepreneur who owns a business, being a chiropractor, like it's interesting. And most of us don't have a ton of role models that we can just follow their cookie cutter demonstration of how they managed a doctorate 
and running a practice with employees and patients and marketing and making like lunches. Um, you know, my mom, she says that like her career, she never took her career seriously because, you know, it was always just basically there for extra money and being a mom was her first priority. And her mom, and she was a first generation working mom, her mom worked from home most of her like life. And so a lot of you listening are probably in a similar boat where you're like, even if your mom had a, a full-time career, her mom likely didn't. So your grandma very likely stayed home with kids. So here we are, this really fresh generation that hasn't seen this being done for long. And of course, we're going to feel that stress, that pull where it's like, this is awkward. Am I doing this right? Can somebody tell me if I'm doing this right? Um, because we're just figuring it out. And I, I can tell you, and I'm sure you've talked to your patients who are stay-at-home moms too, even the stay-at-home moms, they don't they don't know that they're doing it right. And they, they're not balancing a career aspect. So, you know, once raising a human being comes into the picture, if you are not worried um, that you're messing up your kids, like, I don't know, I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, because that's the key. That's how you know, like, yep, I am nailing motherhood. I must love them a lot because damn, I micro worry about every single thing I do and whether it is messing them up long-term. So I love you all so, so much. I love the mommies listening even more this week. Um, you are special and you are doing really, really hard work. And I, I honor you for that. So if you have questions about Revive, our eight-week masterclass, send me a DM. Um, I will do my best to answer any of them. And, you know, I don't want to sell anybody on it. Ultimately, like once you hear about it, you're either going to be attracted to it and go like, yeah, that's what I need right now. Or you're going to go like, nah, not for me right now. And I'm like, that's cool. I'll probably have more master classes on completely different topics. Um, I just I really believe that the people who need it are going to be attracted to it. And the people who are not, they won't. So I love you all so much and uh, have a great week. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCAD because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. <laughs>